and welcome to the Gloucester Vineyard Church weekly podcast. We're creating a community which brings hope and joy to Gloucester and we're thrilled that you've downloaded this message. We're staying in the Psalms for another week as Emily unpacks how we can use the Psalms to help us pray through whatever we're going through. Emily shows us how the Bible encourages us to bring our laments to God and how that act forces us to fix our eyes on God and how it alters our perspectives. You can find the links to the videos Emily shows in the description of this podcast. So let's dive into the message for the week. So I thought that I'd share with you this morning a little bit about where I've been at recently and how I've been walking with God through it all. Um, I found this term quite difficult, quite an unsettling one to be honest. Um, I had really high hopes for September onwards and this term hasn't exactly delivered how I anticipated. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, the day-to-day has been fine. I'm really grateful for school, staying open, childcare being in place, grateful for a job that gets me out of the house and family around me but there's just been quite a few times recently where I've had days of just feeling really quite blue, um, sometimes feeling quite overwhelmed with life, um, off, almost to points of inertia at times actually. Um, I found myself really easily stressed, uh, sometimes quite removed from situations and who'd have thought this possible because Daniel certainly didn't, more emotional than usual. Um, and I've just found it quite disconcerting to be honest because it's not like me. And it all came to a head uh, a few weeks ago. I was just doing some work on the table downstairs. I was cracking my way through this list of jobs that I needed to do. Um, I was, and it was fine, but I was just having one of those days where I had this underlying sense of anxiety and this unnecessary urgency to kind of get the jobs done. And Daniel, bless him, he, he came downstairs and he asked if I was ready to join in with this meeting that was very much in our diary, very much expected. Um, and honestly, I just lost it a bit. Um, I had this like surge of feeling totally overwhelmed. I burst into tears. I felt quite shaky um, and was just like, I can't cope. That's enough. I'm done. This planned meeting that was totally expected apparently was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. I just had no capacity or resilience and I, I didn't really know what to do with myself in that moment and I, could, I couldn't figure out what was going on with me. I mean, yeah, this term has been disappointing. You know, I think um, I knew wave two was a high likelihood, but I didn't really acknowledge it. Um, and I was kind of hoping that uh, life online, distance from people with reduced amount of hugs um, would actually start reducing rather than increasing again Um, but I think that you know the lockdowns the adaptations the constant change for me they're not necessarily the issue I'm quite a flexible person but I think rather it it's just the sheer longevity of everything that has just hit me this term and I found myself feeling pretty edgy mentally and emotionally and sometimes to the point of feeling totally overwhelmed. And it's these moments where the rubber hits the road that really beg the question, can I walk the walk 
You know, I talk the talk about hope and joy, about following Jesus and living life to the full. But this term for me has just kind of upped its game a little bit when it comes to walking the walk. Part of my routine is that I like to set aside a bit of time each day to spend some quality time with God. Um, and in these times of crashing or feeling overwhelmed or stressed, I found it quite difficult to know what to say or how to be um, in my time with God. You know, I've just sat on my bed like, I don't know, ah, ah, I just want to do something other than acknowledge what's going on. I want to watch an episode of Bake Off to distract myself or something. But I found myself time and time again landing in a book of the Bible called Psalms. It's about halfway through the Bible. It's this big collection of 150 songs, poems, prayers to God. And I found myself drawn towards it time and time again and finding great solace in this book, actually. And I'm not the only one who has found this. For thousands of years, God's people have been going to the Psalms in their time of need and finding comfort and help. When I haven't had words or understanding, the Psalms have helped me to pray. The book of Psalms is really quite beautiful and it has a lot to teach us on how to relate to God whatever our circumstances, wherever we're at. Um, but instead of me explaining that, I thought that this morning I would show you a little video instead. Um, there were two videos that I wanted to show you this morning, um, but that would have been far too long, um, with quite a lot of repetition in them. Um, so I just tacked a bit of one to the end of another. So just a heads up, a little bit of a transition point at one point. Here we go. The largest collection of poetry in the Bible is the book of Psalms. So that's what we're going to look at here. Now, the Israelites composed lots of poetry throughout their history. Yeah, poems were written by Israelites, sages, kings, and prophets. Some poems were sung by choirs in the Jerusalem temple, while others were prayed by families at home. And over the centuries, the most important and widely read poems were compiled together to be read or sung on special occasions. And I'm familiar with books of poetry, a large collection of the greatest poems in one place, and I can read through and pick my favorites. But the Book of Psalms isn't that kind of collection. Here, each poem has been expertly crafted and then placed where it is for a reason, to create a storyline from the book's beginning to its end. The Psalms poetically retell the entire biblical story, and they invite you into a literary temple. A literary temple? Yeah, so the tabernacle and then later the temple in Jerusalem were where ancient Israelites went to meet with God. When you arrived, you would see art and imagery everywhere. You'd see priests performing rituals. You'd hear songs and prayers, all of it symbolically proclaiming that your God rules the world from this mountain and you're in his living room. So the temple was a place to be in God's presence and also to immerse yourself in the story of God's kingdom. Exactly. And so try to imagine how traumatic it was when the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem, plundered and burned the temple, and then took many Israelites into exile. Yeah, where can they go now to meet with God, to sing their story and say their prayers? That's where the book of Psalms comes in. It's a prayer book for exiles designed as a virtual temple. You enter the Psalms to meet with God and to hear the entire biblical story of God's kingdom sung back to you in poetry. Cool, but how does the Psalms do it? Let's start with the book's design. There are 150 poems broken up into five clear sections. 
At the beginning, there's been placed a short introduction, Psalms 1 and 2, which lay out the main themes of the whole book by reviewing the biblical storyline. Okay. Psalm 1 looks back to the Garden of Eden and its river of life. Yeah, God placed humanity in a garden temple. And here, humans decide to define good and evil on their own terms and so are exiled from the garden. But the first psalm paints a portrait of hope about an upright human who delights in God's wisdom, which is called Torah or instruction. This person is like the tree of life in the garden temple. They eternally blossom because they're planted in the river of God's life. Yeah, that's beautiful, but who's it supposed to be? Well, remember that story in Genesis. After humanity's foolish rebellion, God made a promise. Oh right, a future human, the seed of the woman who would come and defeat evil and restore the world. And that's what Psalm 2 is about. God's promise that a king would come from the line of David. He's called the Son of God and the Messiah. God appoints him to bring justice on human evil and to restore God's kingdom and peace over the nations. So Psalms 1 and 2 introduce all these main themes. Yes, and then the book develops those themes through the five sections. The first two explore the complicated story of David and his royal family. The third section focuses on the tragedy of Israel's exile and the downfall of David's royal line. But then the fourth and fifth sections rekindle the hope for the Messiah, a new temple, and God's kingdom on the other side of the exile. Then the book ends with a five-part conclusion, praising God for his faithfulness. Cool. Now, nearly half of the Psalms are connected to one guy, King David, who God chose to rule Israel. Yes, David's story is really important in this book. He experienced many times of hardship, but he trusted God with radical faith. And in these poems, David shares his fears, confesses his failures, and offers thanks to his Redeemer. And he's constantly speaking of a deep longing to be in God's presence in the temple. But wait, David lived before the temple was even built. Exactly. This portrait of David, hoping and praying for God's kingdom and a future temple, it resembles the hopes of the later generations of the exiles. And so David's prayers could become theirs as well. David's like a prayer coach, giving us words for how to pray and how to discover God's presence in good times and bad. Exactly. There are 73 poems connected to David, but most of the rest come from later generations of biblical poets, and they have learned to pray and hope like David. And so the end result is the Book of Psalms, designed as a virtual temple for all generations of God's people. This isn't a kind of book you just read once and put down. No, it's designed for a lifetime of slow rereading and reflection. These prayers and laments and songs of praise are meant to become our own. They're poems for exiles who are learning to live by God's wisdom and to seek God's justice in the world as they hope for the coming Messiah and the kingdom of God. Now, here's one more thing that you are likely going to miss if you don't read this book in order. There's lots of different kinds of poems in the book of Psalms, but they all basically fall into two big categories, either poems of lament or poems of praise. Poems of lament express pain, confusion, and anger about how horrible the world is and how horrible the things are happening to the poet. And so these poems draw attention to what's wrong in the world, and they ask God to do something about it. There's a lot of these in the book, which tells us something important, that lament is an appropriate response to the evil that we see in our world. But what you'll notice is that lament poems predominate earlier in the book, in books one through three. But pay attention, because you'll see praise poems occasionally, too. 
Praise poems are poems of joy and celebration, and they draw attention to what's good in the world, and they retell stories of what God has done in our lives and thank God for it. In books four and five, you'll notice that praise poems come to outnumber lament poems, and it all culminates in that five-part hallelujah conclusion. So this shift from lament to praise, this is profound, and it tells us something about the nature of prayer. As we hope for the messianic kingdom, as the book teaches us to do, this will create tension for us as we look out on the tragic state of our world and of our lives. And so the Psalms teach us not to ignore the pain of our lives, but at the same time, biblical faith is forward-looking looking to the promise of God's future messianic kingdom. And so Torah and Messiah, lament and praise, faith and hope. That's what the book of Psalms is all about. Fab. So I'll pop um, the links in the chat if you want to watch the videos independently. But there's just a couple of things I want to draw our attention to. The, the book of Psalms is a place where we can meet with God and we can join with God's people throughout history in hoping for the future despite our circumstances. And I just kind of wanted to say that out loud. It's just a really beautiful thing that the Bible unites God's people throughout history, throughout the present day, and it brings hope and union with God. Oh, beautiful. Anyway, the bit about the book of Psalms that I've particularly appreciated this last term is the bit I tacked on the end of the first video, that in Psalms there are these two types of poems basically, lament and praise. Now those are pretty bible -y words, um, so let me just explain a bit about what I mean by those. Um, lament being a response of despair at the brokenness around us, and praise being a response of hope and joy when acknowledging who God is and all that he's done for us. Lament and praise. Now, most of my life, I've had this mindset that emotions like anger and sadness and frustration are all negative. And yes, we should acknowledge them briefly because that's the correct thing to say. But actually, deal with them as quickly as possible, please, and try not to feel them. Um, you just have to think or distract yourself out of them. I know what you're all thinking. That is a really healthy way to live life and grow up as a functioning adult. Yeah, I know. Um, but this term has been really quite difficult for me because I've often felt like I've had very little control over my emotions, over my mental well-being. And so the thing that I have found really helpful with the Psalms is that there is this permission that I often haven't given myself to be sad or angry or anxious or heartbroken that there is space in life with God to feel all of these things and that be okay. God's people throughout history have recognised and practised the goodness and rightness of acknowledging the brokenness and sitting in that place for a bit. But God invites us into more than wallowing or feeling sorry for ourselves. God invites us to bring all of that stuff, all the anxiety, all the stress, all the sadness to him. It is 
absolutely an appropriate response to the brokenness of this world that we should draw attention to what is wrong. But we can cry out to God. When we find ourselves anxious, stressed out, cynical, God gives us direction for our lamenting and our sorrowing. The book of Psalms gives us permission and this ability to lament and to sorrow, but to do it looking at God, not ourselves. And the beautiful thing that I've learned this last term is what the Psalms teach us about the nature of prayer. And that is that this process of lamenting and turning to God changes our attitude and our posture. If you read the Psalms, you'll notice that nearly all the poems, the songs and the prayers, even the heaviest of laments, they end with this kind of inflection of turning lament into praise. As was said in the video, there is this trajectory across the whole book that moves from lament to praise. You read, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away? I'm groaning for help. Yet you are holy. Yet I trust in you. Yet I will praise you. The praise element of the poems draw attention to the good stuff in the world. They tell stories of what God has already done in our lives. They thank God for his sure promises. The Psalms teach us not to ignore the pain of our lives, but at the same time to look forward, to be hopeful, to trust in the promises of God. I think often when the rubber hits the road, we can be really quick to say, God, you promised this, but all I see is this problem. To pray, promise, but problem. When actually the Psalms invite us to switch that thought process around, to say, God, I see this problem, but you promised. To pray, problem, but promise. That is what the Psalms invites us into. Problem, but promise. Because we are people of hope and we are a people of joy. The Psalms repeatedly force us to look at God, to direct our lament and our sorrow that is good and right, to direct it to him. Because in turning to God, our posture changes from sorrow to joy, from despair to hope. That's what looking at God does. In my times of being unable to articulate things, of feeling like I'm just done with the relentless of, relentlessness of this year, the Psalms have enabled me to pray. They give us clues, they give us language, they give us prayers when we have none. <clears throat> they give us direction when we feel unable to see because they direct us time and time again to God, bringing all that we are to him. 
focusing our attention and turning from despair to hope, from sorrow to joy. So I thought this morning we would spend some time reading one of the Psalms together this morning. I'm going to read a Psalm aloud and I invite you to engage with this tension that we live in where we look out on the devastation and the sorrow of this world or of our lives with lament. Yet we live trusting in the promises of God, trusting in the hope of God's kingdom coming now and one day in all its fullness. If, like me, you've found this term or this year challenging, if you're anxious or stressed or overwhelmed or just darn sad, let's bring that to God this morning. And if that's not you, I encourage you, I implore you to engage in lamenting the brokenness of this world on behalf of our nation, on behalf of our world. Because with With coronavirus alone, thousands are dying, hundreds in our nation. I think that we have cause to groan, how long, O Lord? So I invite you, let's take a moment, let's get comfortable, let's find a comfortable position. I invite you to close your eyes, to focus your attention on what's happening in your life, the life of those around you, or the world around us at the moment that can cause us to lament. Psalm 13 says, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul? How long must I struggle with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will surely die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good.
Okay, that's all for this week. I hope that blessed you and that you found it helpful. If you've enjoyed this message, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to join in with what we're doing here in Gloucester, you can join us at one of our Sunday gatherings online. All of the details you need are on our website. It's gloucestervineyard.org.